0: Good evening, and a of Hanukkah. We are in the middle of Hilchus Hanukkah, which we've discussed in the last two weeks, and we would like to conclude this week, seeing that this is the last year before Hanukkah, so we'd like to conclude as much as we can the relevant halachas that are pertinent to all of us through the next few days. Hanukkah is a wonderful time. Let me just let me just uh, mute everybody. Sorry, I'm just muting everybody to make sure there's no background noise. Right. There. Khanuk is a wonderful time of light, a time of uh, where we begin to see the hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in Golas, even though we're in the middle of Golas, but we begin to see the hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that single light that can dispel so much darkness. So let's try and continue where we left off, and uh, a little bit more... Uh, practical halachas which are not relevant to the lights themselves. So we'll move on to the halachas of Al-Anissim and uh, other, other areas of halacha which are relevant to Hanukkah. But let's finish off the halachas of the lights and the menorah themselves, which we didn't manage to conclude in the previous shurim. The, the oil which is left inside the menorah. So you put the oil inside the menorah, the oil which is left. And the same would apply to wax or, or any other medium used to create the Hanukkah lights. The leftover oil is considered muksa because when we set aside this oil into the menorah for lighting the lights of the, the, the menorah for then they become what's known as hukhtzal la mitzvahsah. They're called set aside for a mitzvah. And something which is set aside for a mitzvah must not be used for any other purpose other than the mitzvah. There's a discussion though in the halacha, and as we've mentioned many times before in the last two shurim, that Everything in Hilchis Chanukah is a dispute because Chanukah is the Yom Tov of Golos. So therefore even the halachas of Golos, even the halachas of how you like, where you like, when you like, what you like, it are all conflict. There's enormous amount of conflict around them because that's the, the Golos that we're in, a Golos of conflict. But one thing is common, which runs across all the different opinions and that's the, the light itself. The light itself is Across the board, everybody agrees we light a candle, we light a light, we light a flame, because that flame dispels the darkness. Everything else around that flame is embroiled in conflict. Even the halacha is embroiled in conflict, because Hanukkah is the time of goddess where there's one common denominator, that little light, that's going to dispel all that darkness. So there's a dispute as to how much of that oil may be used or may not be used. When we say that it's huq'sa how much is huq'sa So you've lit, you've filled your manaya with your oil, for sure, the first half an hour's worth of oil is completely hooked to the mitzvah, so set aside for a mitzvah, may not be used for anything else. The remainder of the oil is, um, is again a dispute. If we say, some say that the remainder of the oil, even after the half an hour's burning, is considered set aside for a mitzvah, may not be used. Others say it's not, it's it's can be used. And even if you say it can't be used, if you specifically spelt out before you filled the monoya that you're only setting aside the right amount for the half an hour's burning, the rest you're not setting aside for the mitzvah, then everybody agrees that you can you can use the remainder of the oil. So nowadays where it's not clear what the sheer, how long you should be leaving your lights lit for, as we discussed in the previous room. There are some opinions that say you should leave it lit till the people in the street stop walking in the street, which is very late here in England. Even in my little side road, there's people walking by it all hours of the night. Uh, Then, unless we specifically say that this oil is not meant to be used for mitzvah, I'm just putting it in there... But I don't want to it be, it, I don't, do not want it to be set aside for a mitzvah, then we would assume that the oil is muktzah and may not be used. So do not take the oil out of your manure and use to dress your salad unless you've specifically spelt out that this oil doesn't, you do not want it set aside for a mitzvah. Similarly, it's forbidden to benefit from the lights, from the Hanukkah lights themselves. You're not allowed to use the Hanukkah lights and benefit from them. The reason why we're not allowed to use the Hanukkah lights and benefit from those Hanukkah lights is one of two reasons. The Gemara gives us a reason, and according to one opinion, the Gemara, because of bizui mitzvah. It's degrading for a mitzvah, and Ne'er is an item of a mitzvah. It's degrading for that mitzvah to be used for another purpose other than the mitzvah itself. And since it's degrading, we've got to treat it as a mitzvah. We may not use it. We may not use it for anything else. In a moment, I'll, we'll, we'll talk about exactly what we mean by not using it. There is another opinion given in the Rishonim. The reason why they give a different opinion to the Gemara is because they're trying to explain a different part of the Gemara where they say the, the, the other part of the Gemara disagrees with, with the first reason mentioned. And then another reason given is because our lighting of the Menorah emulates the lighting of the Menorah in the base of We'll come back to that, that, come back to this reason a little bit later because we do come across this in other areas that we'll see a bit later, Be'ezus Hashem. Our lighting of the Manoya emulates the lighting of the Manoya, the Besameikdos. Ramban says that when Kodesh said to Aaron Akoyim, don't worry, your mitzvah of lighting the Manoya is going to be far longer and far for, for, for many more generations than... All the mitzvahs in the base of Mikdosh and the other mitzvahs in the base of Mikdosh. And Rabban says, which lighting of the Menorah is, is for more generations than the lighting in the base of Migdash? He says, that's the lighting of the Nech Hanukkah, which is an extension of the lighting of the Menorah in the base of Migdash. And since we, we consider the lighting of our Menorah as a emulation of the lighting of the Menorah in the Mikdash, we therefore treat it in certain ways in the same way as the Menorah in the Mikdash was treated. And in the base of Migdash, it was forbidden to benefit from the lights of the Menorah because it was the menorah meant as the light of the Megdosh, not to be used. And therefore, we do not use our neiris either. We do not use our neiris either. When we say it's forbidden to use the to benefit from the lights, we mean even the single light, which is the primary mitzvah, or even the Extended lights, which we would call the Mahadrin, or the Mahadrin Min Mahadrin, which we explained at length in the previous Shurim, the different types and different methods, different, different levels of lighting Menaira for Hanukkah. Each one of those lights, if it's been lit for the sake of Mitzvah's Hanukkah, either for the Ne'er Isha baysay, or for the Mahadrin, or for the Mahadrin Min Mahadrin, may not be used in any way whatsoever. What type of use are we referring to? So Gomorrah gives us two different examples. The Gomorrah says you can't count your money by the light of the Manoya, which means that I can be sitting at the other end of the room. If you take your coins, you take a pound coin, a, a, 10, pence, a 10 pence piece, a 50 pence piece, a, a 5 pence piece, and a 1 pence piece, and a 2 pence piece, and you put them on the table, you want to count them, you don't need a lot of light to be able to distinguish between one coin and the other. But there's a fascinating Gomorrah, actually, and I don't know if I've ever mentioned it to you, but there's a fascinating Gomorrah in in Mesechdas Brochus, where the Gemara tells us that when you make a bracha on Matsui on your neighbors, that's a bracha on the benefit that you have from light. The Gemara tells us what's called benefiting from light. The Gemara says if you can, dis- if you can distinguish between a, a, a Pundian and an Issa, a punjan and issa are two Roman coins. When you can distinguish between a pungin and an issa, that's called benefiting from the light. Now, you may never seen a pungin or an issa in your life. I have a pungeon and issa upstairs. In my house, I have a pungin and an issa, and they are identical coins, same size, same thickness, same shape, everything identical. The Romans made a mistake and they minted two separate coins exactly the same size. There's only one difference between them. If you look at them carefully, you'll see that the wreath that's on top of the head of the Caesar on one of the coins and the crown is on top of the head of the Caesar on the other coin. That's the only difference. Now, in order for you to 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 differentiate between an Issan and a Punjan, you need to get very close to the candle. Try and take two 20-pence pieces. And if you look at the 20-pence pieces, you'll see some of them have the queen with a crown on. Some of them have the queen without a crown on. Try to differentiate between the two in a dark room with a candle at one end of the room. You're never going to be able to dif- to differentiate. You'll not notice the difference. You have to get really close. So the Gemara tells us punjan and anissa. The rishayim didn't understand what the punjan and anissa was. So they didn't know what the difference was. So they say two different coins is good enough. But today we have punjans and anissa, and as I say, I have a set of them upstairs. In my room, in my bedroom, I keep a set of all the different coins from the time of Chazal. I bought them a number of years ago from uh, the the Living Toy Museum in New York. And I use them to to show the children what it means, uh, all the different coins that we talk about in the Gomorrah. They can actually see what these coins are. It just brings to life the Gomorrah in, in, in a completely different way. But a pungent and an issa are the identical coins. The only difference is the crown and the wreath on the heads of the Caesar. For that, you need to be really close. And that, says the Gomorrah, is when you make a bracha, but yet when it comes to benefiting from the light of the menorah you can be the other side of the room because you're counting money. Counting money doesn't mean counting Issa and punjim, which are the same types of coins. Counting money means counting different coins. All different coins in every, in every country that you, you may find yourself will have different shapes and sizes for different amounts, for different values of, of, of coins. And therefore, it's very easy to count even in a dark room. And yet that is forbidden because that's called benefiting from the nearest of Hanukkah and that's called a busy That's degrading for the near Hanukkah even to have that level of benefit. Another benefit which the Gemara discusses, well, the Rishonim discuss, is to eat in a room which technically you can eat in a dark room. You don't really need the light. But by having light in a room when you're eating gives the food a greater taste. You know, the Medrash tells us that... Uh, um, the, the, the Medrash tells us that mon looked the same. And it's therefore called the lechem ha And the Jews in the Midrash complained about the mon. And the Medrash says, A blind person doesn't benefit from the food. And it's a Medrash clear because it doesn't seem to make sense. What's the mon got to do with a blind person? And the Mefarshim explained that we see from the Mon what, what was so difficult about the Mon. The Mon was a food that could taste like anything you liked. in, in Any any donut that you wanted, it could taste like. You could have a pecan donut, or you could have a, a caramel donut, or you could have a cream donut, you could have any chocolate donut, all the different donuts you can find in the shops today. Anyone you wish for, that's what the Mon tastes like. So why was it so difficult for Claudius to enjoy eating the Mon? And they say it's clearly evident from here that if you can't see the food, you don't have the same benefit from it. You may be able to taste it, but if you can't visualize it, the way the food is presented changes the way the food tastes. And therefore, from here, we see that a blind person does not benefit from the food. And therefore, you could technically eat in a dark room, but if you're eating and the nearest of Hanukkah are there, that's going to give you a level of benefit. It's going to help you enjoy the food more. That's called benefit, and that's forbidden. You may not eat in front of the nearest if all you have, all the light you have there is only from the nearest of Hanukkah. So therefore, how do we get around the problem? Therefore, we light a shamash. We light a shamash. We light an extra light, not just the lights of Hanukkah. We light the extra lights. and We'll see in a, in a moment exactly how we light an, a, 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 the shamash light. But we light a shamash that's to, to avoid us benefiting directly from the, the nearest of Hanukkah. It, today, in today's world, where we have electric lights in the room, the electric light would be considered a shamash in the context of Avoiding the problem of benefiting from the lights of Hanukkah, we're benefiting from the lights of the, the electric light, therefore we don't have to worry about the Hanukkah lights. We switch off the electric lights and all we're left is with is the Hanukkah lights, that will maybe be problematic. There's no problem to sit and do nothing by the lights. On the contrary, some people have a minute to sit and stare at the lights for half an hour. Say some people have a minute to, 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 to enjoy the lights. The, just looking at the lights is, is a wonderful thing. They can uh, try and see the ruchnias, the spirituality in the lights. That's fine. Walking around a room where the lights are on is also fine. Walking around the room where the lights are on, where the, with just Hanukkah lights with no lights on is also fine. You're not obligated to trip in the dark or close your eyes when you're walking around the room because you don't want to benefit from the Hanukkah lights, that's not called benefiting. Benefiting is a direct benefit. I'm going to sidetrack for a moment, just discuss uh, halacha because it's relevant to what we're discussing, but it just we go off the point for a moment. We're going to talk about the halachas of Shabbos Hanukkah a a little bit later, but I'm going to bring one point of Shabbos Hanukkah relevant to now because I want to bring out a a, a point which is... uh, a continuation of what we're discussing of the ishov to benefit from the nearest Hanukkah. Er Shabbos we have a uh, we we're going to light Hanukkah lights. Then of course we all light Hanukkah lights before the nearest Shabbos because we want to light the Hanukkah lights when it's still weekday. So we light the Hanukkah lights before we light the nearest Shabbos. Particularly a woman when she lights lights the nearest Shabbos, she's already been a couple Shabbos. She won't be able to light the nearest Hanukkah afterwards. So we light the nearest Shabbos first. Ne'er Shabbos afterwards. Ne'er Shabbos comes first, Ne'er Shabbos comes afterwards. Motsori Shabbos, lighting lights, Motsori Shabbos is a big machlekes. Do we light the Hanukkah lights first or do we light the, or do we make Avdala first? Menekah according to most people, is to make Avdala first because we have a rule of Tadeh V'she'inoi tade tade Kodem. Some people have the minig to light the Hanukkah lights first because they want to delay the Shabbos, from going out as much as possible. They want to delay the Shabbos from going out as much as possible. as possible. in Shabbos. We sing on Shabbos in the Zemiris. Ma'achrin lot in Shabbos. We like to delay the Shabbos. So they light the Hanukkah lights first. But the majority of people, myself included, and as far as I understand from my, my small amount of uh, asking around, the majority of people will light, the, will make Abdullah Matsui Shabbos before they light the Hanukkah lights. In Shul, though, we light in Shul, and all the Batek who light Hanukkah lights in Shul, as it's become the minhag in Qal Yisrael, we light the nearest Hanukkah before Havdalah. We light the nearest Hanukkah before Havdalah, And the reason why we light the nearest Hanukkah before Havdalah is interesting given by some of the Paschim, is because the lighting in shul is not halachically based. It's only a minhag. According to the halakh, you can only light in your home. The entrance to your home, you can't light anywhere else. So lighting in a shul is a minhag. A minhag to be fulfill the Mitzvah of Pishu Minisa, and we'll discuss it a little bit later some of the parameters of lighting a shul. But the, since it's a minig, minig is chaviv, a minig is very loved. And for the members of our shul, we'll know that we love minhogim. Minhogim means so much to us. And because a minig has a chavivus, has a, a certain love to it, therefore we light the Chanukah lights first to show the chavivus. So then comes the question, if I'm lighting my Chanukah lights, can I make the bracha of boirei or ha'esh on my Hanukkah lights? We who make havdalah before Hanukkah lights, a question doesn't arise. But if you light your Hanukkah lights before havdalah, or in a shul, where we're going to light our Hanukkah lights before, and then we're going to make havdalah, can I actually make the Borei Marei on my Hanukkah lights? And the answer is no. Since I'm forbidden to benefit from my Hanukkah lights, I can't make the bracha of ish. The bracha of ish is a bracha on benefiting from the light. If I'm not allowed to benefit, I can't make the bracha. Halakhically, you're allowed to light one light from the other light. So I could light my Hanukkah, and my son could use my candle, my light, to light his light, his Hanukkah. But Taisa already tells us that the Minnig has been accepted in Kladysha not to light from one light to the other light. In a shul, there is more of a heter to do that. So it's not necessary, but there is more of a heter. But at home, we do not light one Hanukkah light from the other Hanukkah light. We look at it as part of the the... Banner of not benefiting from the Hanukkah lights. So as we mentioned, to get around the problem, we we light a shamash. And when we light a shamash, we've got to make sure that a shamash is differentiated from the other lights of Hanukkah. Not to make a mistake, and think this is another light of Hanukkah. We could be lighting a, a third light. We could make a mistake in the day. We could be fulfilling the Mahadrin and think that there's another person in the house. The person passing by will think there's another person in the house. So we need to make a differentiation. The way we make a differentiation between the shamash and the other lights is either we raise the shamash slightly or, or, we place it at a slight distance from, from the lights. But there is a clear halacha that you have to s- separate or make a differentiation between the Hanukkah lights and the, the shamish. Some people have a minute to light the shamish, even if you've got electric lights on, which is again the minute of most of Khalid's role. But for every menorah that they're lighting, they will light a shamish, even though you don't really technically need to because you've got electric lights on or because you've got one shamish is sufficient. To, to benefit from, and then that's not called benefiting from the menorah. As long as I've got one light there that, that gives me light, then the, the fact that I may also be benefiting from the menorah doesn't bother me. I may not only benefit from the menorah light. That's the Issa of Lish But a Shamish is sufficient. But yeah, there's a minute to light a Shamish for every single menorah. And each one has to have a Shamish in a position that's clear. It's not part of the menorah. If the, the the candles went out, and with in our loch, as we mentioned in the previous shirim, Kafsa en zokkuklo, we do not need to relight a candle that's gone out. Though the minig is to relight it if it's a weekday, but you do not need to. But that oil will be to eat, as we mentioned at the beginning, because any oil that's set aside for a mitzvah is forbidden to be benefit from. So we end up with a menorah now that is, you may not benefit at all from the light, and you may not benefit from the oil that's been set aside for the mitzvah. There's a minig in oil. I think we mentioned this in the previous room, that the leftover oil and the leftover wicks that are left in the manure at the end of Hanukkah, one burns, it comes from a tecefta, we make a little madura, we put it in, into a little silver, co- silver foil container, we take it outside and we burn it, and that's how we burn the wicks and we burn the leftover oil. Uh, it comes from a tecefta to make a madura of the leftover wicks and the leftover oil. So that brings us to the end of the halachas of the menorah and the halachas of the, the shemen and the basilos and the time for lighting and where you light, as we've discussed at length in the previous shurim. I want to spend the rest of, to, of the shir tonight just discussing the other halachas of Hanukkah, which are relevant to all of us every single day. When I mean to say every single day, I mean to say every single day of Hanukkah. All eight days of Hanukkah, we have an addition which is added to our tefillah. That's called the, the the addition of Al-Hanisim. It's a little tefillah which we add into our Shemayin Esra in order to give thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Thanks to HaKadosh Baruch for the wonderfulness of saving Kladis Rol from the Hashem Anayim and giving Kladis the ability to survive, which is really the the depth of the ness of Hanukkah, giving Kladis the ability to survive through Gollus. through the darkness of golas It's dark, dark nights out there. It's really dark, midwinter now, and yet that light... We, that's when we light the light of Hanukkah. And that gives us the inspiration and the chizak that we're able to withstand the, the terrible darkness of Golos. And we know that Kodesh Hu, despite the darkness, is there deep down. He's there. One pach shil shem and hidden. That's that Kodesh Hu. That represents the, the, the shechina that's hidden in the Golos, but it's there. And we know it's there. We know it's there. And that gives us the, the, the strength to continue. So therefore we add this, this thrill of Alanisim in our Shemayna Esra. We added in every Shmoneh Esher that we're going to say throughout the eight days of Hanukkah. Which means, therefore, on Shabbos and on Rosh Chodesh, when we add a Tefillah Musaf, which has got nothing to do with the day of Hanukkah, is purely added because of Shabbos or because of Rosh Chodesh. We will still say Al in the Tefillah of Musaf and the Tefillah of in the Musaf of Shabbos and the Musaf of Rosh Chodesh. The meaning is to say alanisim with a Vav. V'alhanism, V'alapurkar. Not everybody has a meaning, but that's, that's, uh, clearly a meaning to say V'alanism. The reason why we say Alanism is because the Alanism is part, is placed in what we call Bichas Haidar. It's placed in the Bracha of thanks, in the Maidim anachnu loch, which finishes off with Alak The bracha of thanks to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, where we show our subordination and our thanks to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. and that's why we add this tefillah because the tefillah Al Nisim is also a tefillah of thanks. And in the tefillah of Moedim, we say mm-hmm. We we list and enumerate all the different wonderful things Hakadosh Baruch Hu has done for us. And each one is added with a vav. V'al nifle secho, v'al nishmue secho, v'al nifle secho, v'toy ve secho. So then we add, we're add, we just adding another wonderful present that Kodesh gave us. V'al hanisim, v'al haporkam. And therefore most people say it with a vav, but not everybody does. At the end of the al we say, v'kavu sh'moynas yamei elu. We could say v'kavu sh'moynas yomim elu. But we add in the word chaneke because when we mention a yomtev or a... Specific time in our tefillah, we need to, we like to mention it specifically and express it properly, because that's a greater haydah when we say, we express it clearly, that's what these days are, and it gives a, a, a greater, a, a greater depth to the days that, of Hanukkah that we find ourselves in. In Mariv, before Shmoneh Esra, particularly in the first night, the Gabba will bang and call out Al-Hanissim. Shachris, he won't call out Al-Hanissim. Because in Shachris, you're not allowed to make a break between the Ga'al Yisroel and the Shemayin Esra. In Mariv, we're more lenient with making a break between the Hashkevenu and the Shemayin Esra. If a person forgot to say Al-Hanissim in his Shemayin Esra, which can happen, a person can forget to say al in his Shemayin Esra. If he remembers before he finishes the bracha, before he says, If he remembers before he says, the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Baruch HaTah Hashem, then he goes back to al and just continues with Al-A-Koh, till the end of the bracha. If he remembers after he finished the Baruch after he said the name, after he said Baruch HaTah Hashem, even if he hasn't said Atav Shem, if he said Baruch Hashem, and he finishes off the Baruch then he can say it before Yiyu Leratsun. So when he finishes Atav when he finishes Osah HaSholem, and Baruch HaSemar then before he says Yiyu Leratsun, he says a uh, little harachmon. He adds a new harachmon. He says harachmon hu lono nisim v'neflor is shah sisalavaseinu b'yom mehim b'zaman Then he says al If he's already finished my he's already said yi l'ratzen, or he's said oyster shalim, then he doesn't go back. When he's fulfilled his mitzvah of Sh'moyin Esra, he does not need to repeat my Esra for missing out al So, Alanisim has to be said in Shmuel in the B'rich Saidah, after Moidim. If you forgot to say it, and you haven't said the Baruch HaTo Hashem of the Barucha, you go back to the Alanism and continue on, in, in, into the al If you finish the Barucha of HaTo Ashem of Al Chonel and then you can say it before Yiyul Aratsein by adding the extra Harachamon, who Yasselon It should be in the Siddur, if you've got a good Siddur. And then Alanism. If you finish my you've said Ayesha Shalom or then you don't go back and you've lost. If you once you said if you said Yuli you can still say that. There's no harm. But once you said Ayesha Shalom, then you can't say it. You don't need to repeat my In Shachris, we add halal because as we mentioned, the Gemara tells us that they instituted the days of Hanukkah as Lahoidois or lahalil. So lahoidos is why we say alam nisim in Twilah and lahalil is the halal that we say. In fact, we say halal shalim, the complete halal. In the eight days of Hanukkah. A number of reasons given why we say the complete halal. Not relevant to us right now, but we say a complete halal every single day. We, we say the complete halal every day of Sukkot because each day has its own kabbalahs and therefore considered a separate day. <laughs> Hanukkah is also considered a, a, each day is considered a new ness. The nest of halal of, of, the ness of Hanukkah on day one is not the same ness as on day two. The Ness on day two is not the same nest on day three. Each day was a new new miracle. And since each day was a new miracle, we mention the Ness we, we say halal each day separately, and therefore we say halal ha each day of the of Hanukkah. Halal can be said every any time in the day. It can be said first thing in the morning, and it can be said throughout the day. It makes no difference. The, the, the halal can be said throughout the day. It does not need to be said a chakras. So if a person is busy in chakras, Missed out can say halal throughout the rest of the day. Women, it's not clear if a woman is mechuyiv to say halal in, on Hanukkah or is not mechuyiv. The, the poskim seem to assume that a woman is not obligated to say halal, but it's definitely accepted that women will say halal on Hanukkah. is uh, the same as a man will say halal. It's an accepted meaning for women to say halal. And again, the rules of halal will apply to them as they apply to men. The bracha has to be said before halal. Every word of halal has to be said carefully because you're now reading the full halal. Every word of halal has to be said carefully and it has to be finished off with a bracha at the end. Chanukah, because it has the elements of Yom Tov to it, we don't say Tachnun in all the days of Chanukah. We don't say Lam Natsayach, Yan HaShem between, between Asher and Avoditzi. We miss out the Lam Natsayach, there, again, because it's a day of Yom Tov. We lay in every single day of Chanukah we lay in every single day of Hanukkah. We lay in Pashas Now, Pashas Nossay is the Pasha of the Nesim. Because the reason why we lay in Pashas has got nothing really to do with Hanukkah. It so happens that on Hanukkah, on Hafei Kislev, that's when the Meleches HaMishkan was finished. It finished on the 25th of Kislev. And therefore, we read the Pasha of the Nisim, which is the Pasha of the, the the completion of the Besamikdash, the Chinuch the of the Mishkon. Though the Chinuch didn't happen until many, many months later, but the work was completed on Chafei Kislev. So we read it every year, Chafei Kislev, every single day, the 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 Pasha's of the Niseum in Pasha's Naseh. We read three, we call up three people, because any day where there's a Kriya Satoya and that day doesn't have a Tfilas Musaf, Never has more than three people been called up. Cholamoid, there's a Tfilas musaf, so we'll call four people. But Chanukah, where it's a working day and there's no no Tfilas musaf, we only call up three people. We say al in, in in benching as well, in Bichas Though in the Gemara it's very clear that al in Bichas isn't as obvious as the al in Tfilah. al in Tfilah is a given that we know we have to say which Rashi tells us means they fixed it as a day to say halal and days to say al in tefillah. But al in and the Gemara actually asks us as a question. Do we say al in Birchus Do we not? And we're talking here, the Gemara is discussing the the personalities of the Gemara, are Rava and the different Amaraim in the time of Rava, who lived hundreds of years after the story of Hanukkah. And at that point, the Gomorrah is asking, do we need to say al-anism in, in bichas ha Which means that for hundreds of years, it was unclear whether bichas ha was said or wasn't said. Because if my father said al-anism in bichas ha then surely I will know that. I'm not supposed to say al-anism in bichas ha If my grandfather said it, if my great-grandfather said it, then I will not, I'm not going to ask the question, do I need to say al-anism in bichas If the Gomorrah asks it as a question, and the Gomorrah discusses this, some say you do, some say you don't. And it's quite clear that it, it's it's an unclear halacha whether we should or shouldn't be saying alanisim and to the extent that 300 years I don't remember exactly how many years afterwards that this discussion took place but hundreds of years afterwards there's a discussion whether we need to say birkas in alanisim in and and I find that fascinating that so many years post the story and the event of Hanukkah there's still halachas which are not clear but. It has been accepted now that we do say al-hanism in Bichasamazan, accepted. And we say al-hanism in And again, because al is a bracha of thanks, we say it in the bracha of thanks in Bichasamazan, which is the second bracha, the bracha of Noidelecha, and in the middle of Noidelecha we will say the al-hanism. If a person forgot to say al-hanism in Sam, and he remembers before he said the barachatoah shem of the bracha of Al-Hakoil, he remembers, if he remembers before he said the Barakatah Hashem, then again, he goes back, he says the Isim, and continues on, right the way through till the Bracha, and finishes off the Bracha. If he remembers after he finishes the, the, the Bracha, he says Barakatah Hashem, so he can't say alanisim anymore in that Bracha, then he should carry on Bichasa Mozn, until he gets to the Harachmans. Our minig is, and the minig of Mosul Khalisar, is when you get to yas. when you get to Rahman who you're Zakainul Mashiach, he, he adds a new harachman like we mentioned in before with regards to tefillah. He says harachman o yaselon nisim when he flows k'moshiyos l'abesainu b'yom me'bes manazeh. Then he says alan and he continues on harachman he zaken and finishes off branching. There is one opinion, the Adaris, who was a Robin Yerushalayim, has opinion that you don't wait all the way till then, you wait, you get to Ali and straight after Ali you say this Horachamon, before you start all the Horachamons, you say this Horachamon, Nisim, and and then you continue on alanisim. then you continue with all the Horachamons, in, toward, till to the end, to, to the end of benching. I don't know anybody who has that minic, and I, have n- not seen that minic quoted in the basic hal- swarm. but there is a minic that Adaris had, uh, to say, that if you forgot, to say it straight after Ali Chasreino, not wait till Harachmon, he is But our minig is, and as printed in most, uh, benches, you will say it in, in, in uh, just before Harachmon, he is You add this Harachmon, and then you say Ahlanism. The Virchas Al which is known as Brachem Mi En Shalish. It's a bracha which has within it the, the mentions, the three brachas of Bichas and Muslim, but not as brachas, only as, uh, as Korah, only only, to, only mentioned, it's called Me'en Shalosh, it doesn't have any mention of Hanukkah in it at all. So if a person needs Mosinus, and he makes Al-Amihya, he doesn't mention Hanukkah at all, no need to mention Hanukkah. And the reason for that is, is because since there's no bracha of Hidah in Alamechah, so there's nowhere to place it. And therefore we don't add the the, the mention of Hanukkah in the Alhamichyah. Also, Hanukkah is only Drabonon. When it's a Drabonon, they didn't add it into the Alhamichyah at all. This year a Shredish falls on a Shabbos. This year a Shredish falls on a Shabbos. And of course, when a Shredish Hanukkah, the Shredish Tevis, it'll always fall on Hanukkah. And every Hanukkah will always have a Shabbos in it. And sometimes, as it does this year, the two will be amalgamated. The, you will have a on a Shabbos. When we have a on a Shabbos, we have a Bechas Amazen, which is the longest Bechas Amazen of the year. The, the longest Bechas Amazen can ever be said. You have to say Al-Anissim in the Bechas Chidor, and you have to say Ritsei in the Bracha of Rachim, and Yalav Yavoi in the Bracha of Rachim, in the Bracha of what's, what's called the Bracha of Boine Yer Shalim. Because Bechas Hayda comes before the Bechas Bainir Yerushalayim, so Alanissim will be said before Ritsei and will be said before Yalav because that's this place, that's where it's been placed in the order of benching. Ritsei comes before Yalav Yavai because Ritsei is more common. We say Ritsei every single week. Yalav we only say less commonly, only in Yom Tov and only in Rosh And therefore Ritsei comes before with the rule of Tadi, if you have something which is more common, and something which is less common, both in front of you, both need to be said, you will mention the more common before the less common, and therefore Ritse comes first. Chanukah is less common for sure than both Yerushcheidosh and Shabbos, but it's mentioned first because it's placed in Be'ich happens to come before the placing of Ritse and Yalav Yavri. It comes in the Bruch of Hidot, not in the Bruch of B'nei Yerushalayim. If a person forgot to say, Yalaviyavi, he forgot to say, um, Alanissim, Sorry. If he, he forgot to say Yalaviyavi, and he forgot to say Ritsei, or Say let's, let's, let's leave out Yalaviyaviyavi, because that's a bit more complicated. So he came to Shabbos, Shabbos, Shabbos and he forgot to say Ritsei. He forgot to say Ritsei in his doubling, in his benching. So he has to repeat the benching. First, Friday night, Shabbos morning, he has to repeat the benching. Does he have to repeat the Yalayov? Does he have to repeat the Alanisim? He said Alanism the first time. Does he need to repeat it? And the answer is yes, because since he's benching again, despite the fact he's already mentioned Alanism in his first benching, now that he's obligated to bench again, he has to say Alanism a second time. He has to say Alanism a second time. And the same applies to Yalayovi, he'll have to say the Allah a second time. Whether you have to repeat benching forgetting Yalav and in a Shredish, the answer to that is no, we don't repeat benching if you forgot Yalav or in because there's no obligation to have a on in Yashchidosh. Erev Shabbos, one has to be careful, one has to prepare the lights in advance. If one has the ability to prepare Motzi Shabbos lights in advance, that's also an added advantage, that will save time on Motzi Shabbos when one comes home from shul and will enable a person to light as close to the, the beginning of the Zmanhat Locker as possible. But definitely the, fr- the Friday dough lock needs to be prepared in advance so that you can light in time for Shabbos and not to run late Some people have a minute to daven mincha on the Friday before Shabbos Chanukah, before they light the candles. We have a minyan in shul at one o'clock, mincha Gedola for those people who would like to dump mincha before the lighting of the candles, so they have an opportunity to dump mincha before the lighting of the candles. Other people light the candles and then go to mincha, and that's probably the greater minig amongst Klal so they're quite happy to light candles and then go to mincha, you come to, to shul on a Friday night, Ha'er Shabbos, more people are mincha in the mincha just before Kabbalah Shabbos than they are dabbing in the one o'clock mincha. But the reason why there is a minig to double mincha before Hadlock is is twofold. Some people like to double mincha before, so it gives them a, a more time to light. So they're less worried about pressure of lighting. It gives them a little bit more time. It gives them a few more minutes before they need to come to shul. But there's a much more significant reason why there's a minute to light after mincha. And that is because the, the mincha was instituted to commemorate the carbon tomid. That was brought in the evening. And in the base of Igdosh, the carbon tomid was brought before the menorah was lit. The order of, of the sequence of events in the base of Igdosh was first the carbon tomid, and then they lit the menorah. And since our menorah, as we mentioned earlier in the share, since our menorah has some comparisons to the menorah in the base of Igdosh, why we don't benefit according to one opinion, therefore we want to light it in a similar manner to the way the menorah in the base of Igdosh was lit. And therefore, we do a mincha first. That means we bring the carbon tomid first, and then we light the menorah, following the order of the lighting in the of Mikdosh. But there's no question about it. If a person is going to miss tefillah because the only mincha in town is one which is going to be straight after lighting, and if he's going to do mincha before, he's going to miss. He's going to forg- he's going to give up on tefillah That's something he shouldn't be doing. Tefillah comes way before uh, inyan of. Lighting after Mincha. And therefore, if he has only one minion in town, he should double a minion and light first. But those who have a min, a min- and a minion of Mincha before lighting <coughs> should dab Mincha before lighting and light afterwards. On Air Shabbos. <coughs> On Air Shabbos, excuse me. The, l- l- the menorah has to be lit around Plaga Mincha. The earliest time a can be lit is Plagamincha. It can't be lit up before Plagamincha. Mincha Plaga is roughly 3.05. Please don't trust me. You look in the Luach. What time Plagamincha is the earliest time for lighting? Chanukh Mincha should be printed in the Luach. It's roughly 3.05. Before that, it's too early. After that, you can light. But you must remember that your lights need to be lit and stay alight for half an hour after Nacht. So you need to make sure there's enough oil in your menorah to stay, to keep the wicks and to keep the flame alight, to keep it fueled from Pelag mincha right the way through till half an hour after night. And if Nacht is roughly twenty to five, quarter to five roughly. Uh, Friday night will be roughly quarter to five. Hour nacht in Shul will be quarter to five. Then it needs to be a, it needs to stay light from five past three or any time after that when you're going to be lighting till kabbalas shabbos, till half an hour after till quarter past five. So those who are careful to leave. The lights alight until half an hour after our brain time. It needs to be lit from when you light after plug until half an hour after our time, which is roughly about 20 to 6. That's a long time. That's so You're talking about two, over two hours of oils, of oil needs to be placed in the manaya so that the, the lights can remain alight up until the end of the halachic time when they need to burn. If a person doesn't have enough oil for two, two to two and a half hours, then at least one of those lights of Hanukkah should be supplied with enough oil that it can stay light for two, for, two, for two or two and a half hours. As we mentioned, the primary mitzvah is one light. So at least one light should be able to stay light for that length of time. The others, if you can, you'll carry your mahadrin, you'll fulfill your mahadrin, your mahadrin, and mahadrin. If you can't, it's not the end of the world. But one light really should work. And I'm going to discuss for the next few moments a area of halacha which is a little bit complicated in, in Hilchis Hanukkah. And I'm only going to go to the basic details, not the, the complicated part we're not going to discuss because it's too complicated. And as I'll mention later, any questions with regards to this topic in Hilchis Hanukkah should really be asked to a Rav, uh, depending on the scenario that you find yourself in. And this is the halacha of somebody who's traveling on Hanukkah. Somebody who's traveling on Hanukkah, somebody who's staying out of his home on Hanukkah, who's away for the time of lighting on Hanukkah, maybe coming back late, may only be coming back the next day, staying as a guest in somebody else's house. These are the most complicated areas of Hanukkah, of the halachas of lighting in menorah and Hanukkah. I'm going to run through some of them just briefly, but the complicated ones, I'm going to suggest that if you do find yourself in a scenario of traveling on Hanukkah, please do pick up the phone and ask rather than trying to work out what to do from what we're going to discuss now. Somebody who is, leave, leaves his house and is going to be out of his home at the time when Hanukkah lights need to be lit, he's still obligated with, with the, to light Hanukkah. The fact that you're not at home doesn't absolve you from lighting your Hanukkah lights. And if you, your, your home is in the city where you find yourself, even if for this moment in time you're you're staying by a neighbor next door or around the corner, you should be going home to light. If you've moved out of your home for a while, then no, then that becomes your new home. But if you're just temporarily out of your home for a few hours, for a short while, then you should be going home to light that home. If you left your home for, short, for a few days, so you've left the home for not just for a few hours, you've left your home for a few days, then your home is, becomes, becomes the place where you find yourself now. Then you light your manure where you are, not in your home. Somebody has to travel on a day of Hanukkah, and I always advise people, if you can avoid traveling at Hanukkah, avoid traveling in Hanukkah. It's just fraught with difficulties, halachic difficulties. But if you have to travel, and you have to leave home before plug, there's no way you can light before plug. Plug is the earliest time that Hanukkah lights can be lit, because Friday, the earliest time we allow you to light is plug. So if somebody's traveling before three o'clock, three or five, on any day of Hanukkah, he can't light the Hanukkah menorah. So what he should do is, if, he's, if his wife's at home, then his wife should light for him. He's gonna come back very late after the Zman of Adlaka. His, his wife should light for him. And if he can, he should try and hear the brachas from somebody else. Can he make the brach himself afterwards? No. Can he make the bracha of Sha'asanism? Is a dispute. So Machleikus, best for him to hear the Brokha from somebody else. If he's traveling after plug, then he can light. He can light as soon as it's plug, he can light. But he makes sure there's enough oil there that will burn until half an hour after nacht, and then he can go on his journey. Then he can go on his journey. If he's traveling with all his family, and there's no one left at home who can light for him, and he's only traveling for a short while, they've gone off to a chasna in Manchester, they're going to come back that night. So they don't have a second home, they're not moved into another home, they're not guests in anybody else's home, so they have nowhere to light. Then there's a discussion in the Pasukum what to do. Some Pasukums say that if you light outside, which is not what we do here in England, but in XSR, many people light outside. If you light outside, then the best is to ask somebody to do it on your behalf. You make somebody a shliach. You ask a neighbor, please, can you light my menorah with my brachas on my behalf? If you light inside, then you just light when you come back. So if you're going to come back one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, as long as there's company with you, there's other people or household members of the household who are, who are with you or are awake, then you can still make the bracha and you can fulfill the mitzvah of spreading the nest by the household, the members of your household watching you light the menorah. Somebody goes for Shabbos away. Often in Etzisrael, children will go to their parents for Shabbos, Hanukkah. So when you get to Friday afternoon, you get to your parents' house. That's where you're staying. So you're lighting your parents' house. Motzai Shabbos, what do you do? You're traveling home, Motzai Shabbos, but you want to have a party first. You want to have latkes. You love your mother's latkes. They're, they're amazing. And you don't want to leave Motzai Shabbos till an hour or two after Nacht. Where do you light? Do you light still in your parents' home because that's where you are now? Or do we say, since you're going home, you should light at home? That, again, is a huge machleikas. A huge machleikas. Some say you should light where you are. Some say you should light at home. And therefore, anybody who's ever been Shabbos Chanukah, in 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 Yerushalayim or Bnei Burak or any of these places, you will see that straight after Motzei Shabbos, there's a rush for the buses. For those who feel that the correct halacha is to light at home, they rush back as early as possible so they can get home as soon as they can so they can light. There are others who say, no, you light where you are because this is your home now. This is where you're staying until you leave. You've not left. This is this is considered your domain for this this moment in time, and you light where you are. a Huge discussion in halacha. If it's relevant to anybody, please pick up the phone. Another question which comes up regularly, somebody who eats in one home and sleeps in another, this is relevant to Yeshiva Bochim, but can be relevant to guests who are coming from out of town for a Simcha, and they'll be put up in one home, but they're going to be eating all their meals in another place, they're going to be eating by their, their host uh, all their meals, but they're sleeping somewhere else, the host doesn't have enough sleeping space, so they're sleeping somewhere else, where do you like, do you like where you eat, do you like where you sleep, again that's a huge Machlechus in the Boskim is the Primary home, the home you sleep in, is a primary home, the home you eat in. A huge discussion in yeshiva. You will see some bachim will light in the dining room, some bachim will light in their bedrooms. Do you light where you sleep? Do you light where you eat? A huge discussion. Best what is to avoid this, and if you can eat at least one meal or some food in the home that you're sleeping, that would avoid this this conflict, and you would light then where you're sleeping. And we'll finish off with one more, one more area of halacha, but the rest of the halachas of traveling are really complex. And if anybody does find themselves in a situation of traveling, they should please pick up the phone and I will try my best to, to navigate the complexities of that situation so that we can find a way around, a way that we can actually light the menorah as halachically correctly as possible. Now I want to finish off with a, a minig, which we have in our shul, uh, have most shuls. A minig, which is, as we mentioned earlier, is, is a minig, not a halocha, uh, an unbelievable minig, which is evolved in Kali's role. Not exactly sure uh, the source of this minig, but it's become a very accepted minig to light Hanukkah Manoah in the Basic nesses. And as with every aspect of Hilchis Hanukkah, as we mentioned, there's conflict and disagreement as to how it should be done. The same applies with the Manoah in the Shul. And I'm going to give you the, the differences in halacha, and you may go to different shuls, and you'll you'll see different methods of the way the menorah is lit in a shul. The menorah is placed, and this is agreed by every Minarch, it's placed on the southern wall of the shul. I shouldn't say the southern wall, because that would be a, 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 a misunderstanding. On the southern side of the wall. So if you're facing the Oran HaKodesh, Orana is the east, therefore the right-hand side of the Oran is the southern side, that's south. Because the north will be to your left, the east will be ahead, ahead uh, straight ahead of you, and the south will be to your right. So the menorah is placed on the right, as it is in our shul, it's placed on the right hand side of the Arun Akkadish. How the menorah is placed, and where you stand to light the menorah, that's where the conflict finds itself. There are some shul's that have a minute to light, to have the menorah positioned in the way we position our menorah, which means from east to west. They stand on the southern side, facing north. So now, shul that would mean they would stand with their back to the wall, facing Rabbi Feldman's place. And then they would light from the right to the left, which means they would light the first night, the light closest to the Oran Second light, the left, add a second light to that, moving left, etc., from right to left. Similar in a similar way as we liked at home that's a meaning that you will find in some shuls some light standing facing south that means the way we would stand in our school facing the south but they light from on the right on the, sorry they, light, they light on the left from left to right because they want to light the first light closest to the Oran others face the Manayurah from south to north to south, not east to west, but north to south. And then light from the right-hand side or the left-hand side, depending on whichever minig they have. We in Shul have a very unique minig, which is not mentioned in Halacha as a minig, but it's very much a minig that is found in Ashkenaz, where we place the menorah on the southern wall, we face south, and we light from right to left. Which means we start with the, the, the right-hand light, not the one closest to the Aron Kodesh. And when I first came, I found this troubling because it doesn't meet any of the Minhagim mentioned in Halacha. And Bobby Schleimer showed me a picture of the way it was done in Frankfurt. There's a picture of a Chazan standing on the steps, as we have. Same steps. The steps uh, the, that were made were, were in the same, almost the same shape as they were made in in Frankfurt. And the chazan standing there wearing his canonicals, talis, and his chazan hat, holding the light and lighting, facing south, very clearly facing south, and lighting the right-hand light, which is an interesting minig in, in Ashkenaz, clearly a minig in Ashkenaz, and that's a minig in the shul, but not a minig in most other places. We light in the shul at slightly earlier time than we would normally light. Ashkenaz normally light with Nacht or just before Nacht, and Shul we light straight after Mincha, and that's a Minig in all Shuls. The light straight after Mincha between Mincha and Maariv, because that's when people are going to be in Shul, and the idea of lighting a Shul is so so that we can uh, so that we can be a in the ness as much as possible. We want to be mitzi people as many people as we want. We want to to spread the ness to many people as many people as possible. The greatest. Amount of people are going to be found between Mincha and Marif. After Marif, people have gone home already, and therefore we light between Mincha and Marif. Even though the halacha of lighting in a, a basic is only a minik, it's not a halacha, as we mentioned, it's not an obligation. We have the rule of Emish Tamshin Boira we don't use the lights like we don't use the lights in the menorah at home. We don't use the lights in shul either. And again, ideally, the lights in shul should be lit right the way through from when they're lit straight after Mincha until after half an hour after Nacht. However, often a shul is deserted. After Marah, people go home. And therefore, there's an element of danger. Then you can extinguish those lights and they do not need to be lit. Many shuls, we, in our shul, have a Minach. Shachris, we light the menorah too. Without a bracha, of course. But we light the menorah. And the reason why we light the menorah is something that as I mentioned before, something that we mentioned earlier in the year, again comes from the base of Mikdash. The Rambam tells us that in the base of Mikdash, if a light went out, the lights of the, of the menorah went out in the morning, they would relight it. So it should be lit for the rest of the day. And therefore, since our menorah represents the menorah in the base of Mikdash, and as we mentioned, we have a number of comparisons between the menorah in the base of Mikdash and our menorah. So therefore in Shul, which is a mikdash ma'at, a shul. The menorah in the shul has a greater representation of that menorah of the basic mikdash than even a menorah at home. And therefore, we have a minute when we come for shachris to relight the menorah, that there should be lights lit in the morning. There is no need at all to light channek menorah in shul for mincha. Absolutely none whatsoever. There's no makay for it. There's no need for it. And I don't think there's such a minute anywhere. Shachris, yes, no bracha. And after shachris, we put them out. But mincha, there is no need to light the menorah in shul at all. Even for mincha gedola, where we're not going to be lighting immediately afterwards for the next day, we still do not need to have those lights lit. The lights are only the minig is only for Shachis and not for mincha, as far as I understand. And that brings us to the end of the unbelievable halachas of Hanukkah and the complexity to the halachas and how nothing is. Set in stone when it comes to Hanukkah. Everything is, is, is up for grabs. Everything is a a discussion and a, and a, a a conflict between all the different opinions and the different minhagim, and the different, the the different, right away from the time of the Gemara down to the minhagim today. There's never been a single minig in how to how to apply Hilchas Chanukah. There's only been one common denominator, and that's the Nei because that's the only thing that we need to really attach ourselves to. To attach ourselves to that Nei, that wonderful light of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that wonderful light that is eventually going to allow to start off with a small little light and spread from one to two to three to four to five to six to seven and then to the eight to the world beyond. Where we'll be to see the Beis We'll be zechar to see the end of all darkness. And the end of all troubles, and and all, everybody will have full Hashanah. Everybody will have all Simcha in the home. Everybody will have everything that they need. And we'll see that the Bais Korib, Karibim here. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Just before I finish, let me mention: in two weeks' time is is the winter holidays. It's the end of the winter holidays, so there won't be sheer. But in four weeks time we'll be back. And, and I haven't quite decided whether I should start discussing the Halachas of Purim. I know that's going to frighten some women to think that if I talk about the Halachas of Purim, means <laughs> we're nearly at Pesach. But yes, once Hanukkah passes we are nearly at Pesach. Um, but or we'll go back to Hilch Shabbos. I'll make that decision in the next couple of weeks. But we're looking forward to see you all back in two weeks, in four weeks' time. Have <laughs> a only simchas and nachas, and brochas for everybody. Have a good night.